and welcome to episode 10 of the season. Mike and Chris joining me this week. Welcome back, guys. Chris, how you doing? Good, thanks, Ollie. Good to be here as always. New Year's Day. We're starting 2024 right with a bit of Salopcast action. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so obviously it hasn't been very long since we did the last podcast. Um, but yeah, good to get you back on, Mike. How you doing? Did you have a good Christmas? I did, yeah. Sorry I missed the last one, but uh, the call of the pub was too hard to resist. So um, yeah, glad to be back on. So I've got a few thoughts and nice to come on after a win today as well. So hopefully we can be a bit, yeah, maybe positive. We'll see. Maybe a bit more positive, but we're not going to yeah. go too far or overboard, let's say. Um, no. So yeah, we'll go through the Cheltenham game, the Burn game, the Fleetwood game, which was today. Um, wanted to get this one in early, so thanks for joining, guys, because we we'll want to do a bit of a, a preview to Wrexham. Um, so yeah, let's jump into it. Here's Cummings. Cummings with another chance. He's done it again. Jason Cummings, Shrewsbury Town superstar. The Shrews have come back from the brink against the European and world champions of the game. Three games over Christmas. Cheltenham away, lost 2-0. Who would have thought that after five games when Cheltenham um, were really struggling? And then we went away to Burton and lost. I went to that one. Um, and then all three of us were at home today against Fleetwood. But um, Burton away, you went to that as well, didn't you, Mike? I did, yeah. We had a day out on the train, a few beers in Birmingham, and then over to Burton uh, in the rain. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll share some thoughts on that one when we get there, because that, that ended up quite an, an interesting evening, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I think almost we probably can do Burton and Cheltenham together, to be honest, because mm. they were both much to the muttonous in, in some one way. But in other ways, I'd say Burton was even worse. If that yeah. was, I didn't think that that was actually possible. Um, but yeah, Cheltenham was a really poor performance. Shrewsbury Town created basically nothing in the course of the whole game. Um, and then, yeah, conceded two set pieces um to, to against Cheltenham, which was really frustrating. Um a poor performance. Would you agree, guys? Yeah, it was I, I watched this one on the iFollow. Uh I didn't make the journey on uh Boxing Day and I, I felt smug about that at the end of the game because it was it was really poor. I mean, we were talking just before we started recording about hashing over the same things over and over again. It's just it's just rinse and repeat of the same problems we've seen over the past God knows how many weeks, you know. Complaints about the long ball, complaints about being fragile at the back, complaints about no real patterns of play. They all just re-emerged again. Um, and it was a big worry, I think, because this is a you know a, a three games that you would expect us. And I saw a lot of people online and on Twitter and things saying, you know, got to be six points minimum from these three games, got to be at, you know, eight minimum. Because people were, people were thinking that these are the three teams who beat the start of the season and they've not really improved the league by the look of the league. So to lose the two of them without scoring a goal without really creating anything and looking very poor while doing it was a real problem, wasn't it? And what do you think, Chris? You catch both of these guys? Uh, like you, I watch Cheltenham on iFollow Mike. It's tough for me to go do that Christmas and all that. Lots going on at home. But so I watched it and I, it's, I, I only echo what you two have already said. Not a great performance. I have been to Cheltenham for both of the previous two seasons and we lost both of those as well. So it's it started to become a bit of a bogey ground for us in many ways. And we lost 2-0 there last season as well. And if for those of you if who were at that one, I would rate that as one of the worst football matches I've been to in my life, actually. Not just for the Shrewsbury performance, frankly, but just for the quality of the football that we watched that day. So, I mean, that was a real stinker last season. And watching it on telly, this time around, you know, we, we found a way to be just as bad as we were last year, if not worse. 
unfortunately Cheltenham were a little bit better this time and did what they needed to do to, to see us off quite comfortably so yeah disappointing frustrating and as you say not what we needed we came into it on the back of two tough games we'd lost to Portsmouth we'd lost to uh, Peterborough and yeah we were looking at these three games as a chance to maybe get some points on the board again so you could see that the Cheltenham game was a real slap in the face and a real hit to the team's confidence as well. They they looked by the end of that match to me like a side uh, low on belief and uh, low in their own confidence. So, yeah, lots lots to be concerned about at the end of that one. Yeah, and that's how they seemed to pick it up at Burton as well. I mean, I mean from minute one there, Ollie, you know, we were there in first. Not Chris, I'm assuming you watched it. Um, they just did. so... They, they, they looked scared of the ball. They looked scared of the opposition. And um, it, it got really really toxic with the fans pretty quickly as well you know the, the the Burton game was a huge moment in the season I think where the fans really turned on this team on this style of play and, and most obviously and most most vocally the manager um at full time you know it was pretty spicy in the way and wasn't it Ollie I think some of the chance yeah, was. going on yeah yeah it was we'll come back to the chance I was going to talk about style inverted commas mm. what style like, yeah I've genuinely seen Sunday league teams try and play more football than Shrewsbury did against some, against Burn, mm. and that might sound like dramatical, or are you just saying that so I don't know? People listen to the podcast, whatever. Like, it doesn't really change anything. Um, like, genuinely, we played zero football, yeah. and when we did create chances, we basically created chances because Perry triggered a counter-attack two three occasions we had decent chances max matter should have scored shipley had another good chance and i think someone else had a chance as well but we created something from individual skill on set on on counter-attacks but in terms of possession we were literally lumping it forward and people were lumping it forward when they weren't under any pressure at all yeah um thing for me, to me yeah and for me that is a clear instruction and a clear tactic to play zero football I don't know, a decent side, you could maybe kind of live with it. But to be away at um, a Burn Albion is unbelievable. Well, it's that's what get, that's what frustrates me about these. Well, the, the, apart from today, actually, and today was the, the sort of the standout improvement. Against okay, Cheltenham Burton, we, we set up not to lose. We set up like we were playing a championship team. And like you say, it's, it's the direct um, hoofball when you don't even need to do it and they're not even looking for a pass it's it's so but it's so obvious and we walked out of that game it's funny just what you said then we walked out of the game there's a group of about four or five of us there at the match and i said to him can you name a worse Shrewsbury town team than what we've seen today in terms of playing football you know some of the relegation times see teams we saw at least they tried to play some football at least they tried to pass it around or they looked like they wanted to do something. This team looked like they're waiting for January and trying to get a move. Something like I, they just look like they don't care. And they and yeah, Chris. And I is it the players though? Because I don't think they don't care. Well, not don't care, but that like the, the manager said to them, "Don't play any football." And they're like, "Cool, easy. I just whack it at the field then. That's fine." Because if you if because if you're like Max Matter or somebody, and you try and like, you missed a chance, but. The manager will soon look you off if you're not doing what he wants you to do. So you can either play 90 minutes by wanging up the field, or if you try and play football, you'll probably hook you off. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's how you phrase the question, isn't it? When you say, have you seen a worse Shrewsbury team? I'll answer that and say, yes, I've seen many worse Shrewsbury teams. Yeah, You take this team and you put it up against some of the teams we had in the mid-1990s or the late 1990s, I should say. And I think you, you're you both old enough to watch some of that football. I know Mike yeah, used to watch us back in those days, didn't you? This yeah. team would beat those teams. I, I don't think there's much doubt about that. I don't think that's a controversial statement. 
but when what you said, it's not it's not so much who's the better team, which played the better football. That's yeah. a different question. We got relegated under Kevin Ratcliffe in 2002-3, and we were dreadful defensively. But I can't say I, I, I'd be lying if I said I hated every moment of that season because we actually played some good stuff, scored 62 goals. We had Jemson and Luke Rogers up front causing havoc at times. Unfortunately, yeah. we defended like, you know, a primary school team. And that was the reason we got relegated that season. But we tried to play football. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably the, been the frustration, hasn't it? The frustration's been that you feel like there's players on that pitch who are capable of more. And whether by instruction or what, it's just we haven't seen them deliver that. You know, we'll get on yeah. to the Fleetwood game in a few minutes and make, you know, a little bit of promise uh, that we've seen in that one. But there hasn't been okay. much of it in recent weeks. I think the point you make there is, yeah, maybe a better team is is sort of like statistically provable. This is a better team, but um, a, a, have you ever seen a less entertaining team, a, a more stiflingly boring team than we are? Uh, well, up until today, with with basically kick and rush football, a lot of kick and not a lot of rush, as well as what I would find in about it. Well, we the, would, goal, the goals column speaks to that, doesn't it? Uh, before today's game, fourteen goals in twenty-five league games. I mean, these are historically low figures. We are yeah. on to be by far the lowest goal-scoring Shrewsbury Town team in our, in our football league history. So, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, I don't think we you could argue that we've ever been less entertaining, unless to what you know what we've seen today now turns into a magical thing where we score two or three every week. It's going to mm. take a lot to turn around from such a poor position and get us to a position where we end up with a healthy goals tally because we're we're just so far behind behind the curve where a team should be at this stage. But would you say that Max Matter deserved to be hooked at half time, Mike? He missed one chance. Yeah, no, I don't think he did because I think like it's say, so unfair on the lad. Like Ryan, yes, Bowman and you know Udo, they've missed many chances this season. Keep getting. Well, they didn't even get many chances, do they? Like, like you know, like Shipley today against Fleetwood, he missed a chance earlier on, and then he scored yeah. later. I genuinely don't think Matter has missed many chances. He he can't have missed more than three or four decent no. chances because that's all he's been given. And to he scored expect, one of the only good chances he yeah. got that header. Well, he's, he's the, called the only yeah. cross he's been given. I yeah. think I can remember anywhere really near him. Another one's a half chance, so I thought that was a bit harsh. Um, and yeah, in terms of style of play and, and direction where we're heading, it was absolutely awful. Um, and yeah. I think, and I just think, I, don't think Matt Taylor can, you know, I just don't, I don't understand where we're going. That's the thing. You know, he's been managing 26 games now in the League One. And I don't really like the word identity because, you know, Shrewsbury Town, don't, I don't know what, what's identity to a League One team. Um, you know, maybe Man City would have a kind of a true identity. But for us, it's about just playing effective football, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, and I, th- I think your point about it being related to Matt Taylor is very good. Like, um, in, the, in, the, in the sort of the gap between me doing pods, my son was mascot against Portsmouth. Um, which was a great day. I'd recommend anybody to get their kids to do mascot. I think Chris did a pretty good review of it when his dad was, but um, I would say good value for money, well organised by the club. A positive for the club, well done. But part of being mascot is I was sitting on the other side of the stadium after he'd, he'd sort of run out with the team and things. And we were sat behind Matt Taylor. And it gave me a little bit of a chance to, to, to have a little bit more of a look at what he's like on a match day. So two sort of big um, sort of notices that I did of him when he was there. The first thing is, we're not, I don't think we play deep by design because every time we clear the ball, he's screaming at the back line to push up. And actually, if you watch him on a match day, he's, he's waving up with his arms, he's screaming, he's saying, get out, get out, much like the rest of the, t- of the crowd. Um, but then you look at Dunkley and Pierre, who were playing on that day, and they're looking across at him, sort of saying, why? It's only coming back. 
you know, if we rush out, we'll get caught then over the top when the ball just gets immediately returned because we don't hold it in midfield and we don't hold it up front, apart from today when they start playing a bit of football. That was the first interesting thing is that he, he doesn't want us to be deep. He's got plans for us to play in a different way, possibly, but maybe the team aren't reacting to it because the rest of the team aren't set up to make that happen or there's something missing. Um, and the other thing was that made me laugh is that just uh, two minutes before half time, and I know Portsmouth scored just before half time, um, Portsmouth found an attack that broke down and Mark and Rosen kicked up the, uh, picked up the ball. And Taylor was screaming at him, Marco, stay in the game. Look at the clock. One minute before half time, stay in the game, stay in the game. And Morosi was sort of looking at him saying, OK. And Matt Taylor's big, big tactic to get in at half time was to scream at Morosi to kick it really high. That was his big tactical gambit to get us in at half time. He went, Marco, he's pointing up in the air, kick it high, kick it high as you can to waste time. Morosi then proceeded to kick a very flat goal kick, which got defended and they came up the other end and scored. So maybe he does know what he's talking about, but I thought it was quite limited. It did make me laugh a lot when I heard him say that. It was um, a bit of a moment. But I think Taylor's got ideas. I think he sets us up in a way he wants to set up, but whether he can actually make that happen with the players and transfer it to, to their playing style, I don't know. I was left a bit confused by him, actually. After watching on that day, and that was evident of Charlton Burton as well. Then, yeah, I'm I'm very confused which way we're going. Is this tactic at this moment, this pragmatism that he learned from his period at Warsaw, where he kept on trying to play football and it didn't work, and he got sacked? Proof will be in the pudding. We don't know. Fleetwood was better, um, but yeah. Any any comments on the Burton and, and Charlton games? We all do. We do even talk about the fan reaction um, before we kind of leave Burton. But any comments? Additional comments there, Chris. Uh, no, I think we've covered it there, really, Holly, yeah. haven't we? I mean, dis- disappointing, uh, miserable football to watch, really. And uh, as you say, uh, the, the fans let, made their feelings known pretty clearly at the end of that Burton game. Well, it wasn't just the end. No. So those who those that there and what couldn't hear um, when if you're watching the game. So the Shrewsbury Town fans did at least twice, let's pretend to score a goal. Yeah. Um, which was quite noisy. Um, but probably the 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 most focal chant and probably the the most damning chant um, was basically Shooter Town fans and a large number of Shooter Town fans chanting, uh, "Matt Taylor, your football is shite." Yeah, um, and there was other chants as would... well, but I won't go into it. But that was the biggest one, and then the boos at the end. Um, but that yeah. chant is quite a, a damning and uh, statement for for Matt Taylor. And it came; it was a culmination. You know, every long boot forward after half time because half time they, 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 we weren't happy anyway and after half time they continued with that well, the, um, and that yeah and the hoofs were not even going to because we don't we don't have target men we don't have no. genuine target men who can keep the ball so the, the hoofs who weren't there weren't going just like oh Bowman wasn't winning it he was going beyond him he was going for was goal going kicks and going yeah. for goal kicks and going for, for to the goalkeeper so it was a and very bizarre was- tactic the frustration was building and building and building, wasn't it? And every time they well, did it, more and more for 12 annoyed. I'll be with my dad. So my dad hadn't been to a shooter game for ages. And he, my parents don't live too far away from Burton. So he came. My dad loved it. I think he enjoyed being on the terraces again from when he was a kid when he used to go to watch the Baggies play. Um, so I think my dad enjoyed the atmosphere. But he was saying, oh, they're a bit negative, like the fans. And then I was like, yeah, but we've scored three goals in like 13 or 14 away games. So, ah. Oh. Okay, <laughs> no, we uh, before the Fleetwood game, we scored two goals in six games. That's the, the frustration plus the Burton game plus the Cheltenham game, and then it just became very, very yeah. toxic, as you said, Mike. But it was it was Matt Taylor. Your football is s, you know, for the sake of my mother listening. Um, but then at full time, we had a rendition of 
sacked in the morning as he went off down the tunnel and he came across to the fans and he got about halfway and he was getting F off Taylor and he turned around and that was it, sacked him. So it, he, he must have known what the fans were chanting. He must know the frustrations and maybe mm. that lent itself to the approach today because it was markedly different, I thought. Well, I did joke to the um, to Ian sits next to me and said, did he read my tweets? I hope he didn't. I hope he doesn't listen to what I have to say. Um, <laughs> but in terms of... Um, change and that's the thing that's so frustrating is that Burn and Cheltenham are in the relegation fight they've been lowest in the league table and we're not you know we're not having a great season and then we come to, to today what day is it it's Monday the first and we're playing against the worst team in the division and you know Cheltenham are no longer the worst team in the division they're not, they're not bottom of the league table anymore either um Daryl Clark's doing a great job there um and a question for you guys was this a change in tactics this is the turning point um, I think it's just worth adding. We scored two goals from set pieces. So, you know, one goal from open play. We scored very few team goals. And this was one of the first team goals we scored pretty much all season. We scored very few proper team goals all season. Um, do you think this change of tactics today was us turning a corner, trying something different? Or is it just the fact they were playing against a really, really poor Fleetwood side? So for me, Fleetwood are today were without doubt the worst same team I've seen defensively this season. Uh, th their ability to defend set pieces appears to be zero. I mean, we've scored from two corners. First one, to be fair, decent corner, half clearance, and well finished by Noah and Keller. And you know that's the kind of thing you, you praise a team for. We scored plenty of goals from corners last season. I've no issue with that. Second corner scramble from what I can tell it basically hit Shea Dunkley in the face and went in and slightly embarrassing for Fleetwood wasn't it and uh, but what I would say about Fleetwood is they've got probably I would I don't know for sure I would guess they've got a bigger budget than us you look at the names in their squad and while they are the worst team in the league on, on what the eyes tell you on paper they shouldn't be you know that this is a team that can throw out Jack uh, Jaden Stockley Jack Marriott these are Josh Vella, who obviously we know very well, these are strong League One footballers. And in the case of, well, you know, uh, Marriott, he's been higher than that as well, and Stockley, I think. So these are players who should be doing better than they are. So whatever's going on behind the scenes at Fleetwood, I don't know. But where, when you're on to your third manager of the season and it's New Year's Day, then clearly things aren't right behind the scenes. So as a football club, they were a mess. But all we can do is play the side in front of us. And you've got to say today that, yeah, there was a change in our approach. Uh, the big change, of course, was to inject some actual pace and some actual power into our attacking play. And that was Tomnisha Sobawale. And I'm I'm sure we're going to talk about him a bit over the next few minutes because he was terrific today. Uh, taken out of that wing-back role, he's been asked to play when he has been given a chance this season and where he's looked largely ineffective. Today, he was given a role where he didn't have to worry about the defending side of things anymore. He had, he had Elliot Bennett next to him to deal with that side of things. His job was to attack and he did it well. You know, he was the kind of footballer that I've always enjoyed watching play for Shrewsbury Town. I look at my favourite players over the last 30 years and a good half of them are probably going to be wingers. They're the players that get you off of your seat and get you excited. You know, and we haven't, because of the way we've played in recent years, it's been a long time since we had a good one of those. Sean Wally accepted. Sopawali today gave me hope. He gave me excitement. He made me he made me think this is fun to watch. And ultimately, as a football fan, that's what you want. You want to enjoy it. So it was great to have that today. And I thought the forwards around him benefited. Mike, what did you think? Well, I think linking to your point about Sopawali and, and, and playing out there with freedom, it, one of the big changes for me today was playing uh, Bennett behind Sobawale. Bennett, who plays as a wing back and a full back out on the touchline, 
having Sobowale in front of him who plays out wide to give us width on the right. But then on the other side, you had Benning and Shifley, who both naturally drift wide. And they gave us such more, so much more width in the team and they stretched the play much wider. It, 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 was, it was a completely different approach. And I think it worked for us so much better because yeah. we weren't just all gummed up in the middle of the park and then having to knock it back and lock it long like we have been. We had options out wide and places to play a pass. And it, it led us to be a much more a passing team today. It was, it, was, it was night and day compared to Burton, I thought. And yeah, I think the problem we have is that when we play so centrally and we don't play it through the middle, so we're playing narrow, but we're not playing it through the centre. So we're lumping it, we're lumping it to no yeah. one. So I totally agree. Like we played, we played more passing football today. We didn't play out the back as such, um, but we did play out, and our, our centre backs also went forward a bit as well, which was you know that's mm. our wide centre backs went forward as well. So Anderson and Feeney had freedom to go forward. But I thought it was a the extra. I thought those extra wide players might was was made a big difference. Um, mm. I don't think Sorali was maybe as good as some of the hype I've been reading online. I think he did all right. Um, but definitely, I think having those width and having Shipley, who I thought was everywhere, and people players are just running as well. Sounds really simple. Yeah. Our players were running. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say is that the, the press from the from the start was intense and high and fast. And I was listening to the radio on the way home, actually, Tom Flanagan was on. He was saying that one of the big things that, well, one of the things they were pinpointing today was that um, uh, Fleetwood, a bug us for knocking it about at the back and getting caught on the ball. And they knew that we could steal the ball high today. And that was obviously the game plan was to get in their faces, in their own half, in their box, pressure and make them make mistakes, nick the ball and make some chances. And uh, yeah, Fleetwood are suicidal if they carry that on. They're a team that need to lump the ball. They got to get that thing away from them defenders because they're going to get themselves in all sorts of trouble. But um, you could tell that was a game plan and it was effective today. But I think the players probably bought into the fact that they were allowed to be a bit more positive, a bit more front foot. I think we set up to beat Fleetwood. I think we set up not to lose to Burton and Cheltenham. And actually, uh, it didn't it didn't help us anyway doing that. We looked scared of the other two and, and we looked like we knew we could beat Fleetwood today. Um, there's no reason to fancy ourselves over any of the others than, than Fleetwood, apart from being at home, I guess, uh, might be a difference in, in the approach. Yeah, it was good to see on both sides. And, you know, we've talked about Sobawali. You mentioned Benning as well, Mike. And I, I'd say I thought he had a decent game today as well. You know, he's had a lot of stick from the Shrewsbury fans. I do sometimes think some of that is almost, he's been made a bit of a scapegoat because while he's not been great, in my opinion, there's been others on the park who've been as bad as him on, on several occasions. And it was good to see him have a, a positive game today as well. And he linked up well on that left-hand side with Jordan Shipley. And Jordan Shipley, you could see, was enjoying the freedom as well to play as an expressive forward player. And it was good. It was just good to watch, wasn't it? And that's all you can, you, you don't expect your team to win every week when you support a team like Shrewsbury Town. But you, if you go away thinking I've been entertained today and I've watched my side have a go and that was and it was good to see, then you're happy. And if we go out and have a go at you know at Wrexham on Sunday like that and in the league games to come in the next few weeks, then you'll go away happy as long as the team have given it their best shot. And you, you felt today they did, and it was, it I guess it sets a bit of a benchmark because if they go back to being what we've seen in the last few weeks then everyone's going to get really frustrated, aren't they? Because, you know, Matt Taylor's not going to have relieved the pressure on himself in one game. I, I think Ollie said earlier on, do, do we feel we've turned, a, is this a turning point? Have we turned a corner? It's too soon to say that, isn't it? It's one game and it's great that we've put in one decent performance. We've put again, that performance in against a team who are now 10 league games without a win. So Fleetwood have been struggling and our job, frankly, today was to beat them. To fail to beat them today would have been a failure. So I think it's too soon to say it's a turning point myself. I think it's a encouraging and a positive, but I'm not going to get too excited and claim that suddenly we're, you know, we're, we're a transformed team. 
And I think that's the that was the narrative going to the Exeter game, wasn't it? That they were on a dreadful, dreadful run of results. And I think I like Mike's phrase, I'm going to use it, you know, of trying not to lose. So we went to Exeter trying not to lose, and we got a point. Point at the end of the season, you know, not too bad to respect the point, but the context was that they were their fan, their manager is on the verge of being sacked, and they were a dreadful football team. Cheltenham and Burton, Burton had sacked their manager recently as well. You know, Cheltenham are a much better side than they were, but they're still not a, a fantastic side. So I think, yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely too early to say we've turned a corner or not yet, Mike. But it was at least well, nice I, to see, nice to see some positivity today. I think maybe we've see, we we can see the corner off in the distance. I think that's how I. It's I a potential it. corner. <laughs> but also, I would say at the start of the match today, people were saying if he loses this one, he's going to lose his job. So you can't go from. You can't go from being on the verge of getting the exactly, and that's turning the corner in the same ninety minutes. That's, and we lose to Wrexham, we get thumped by Wrexham, exactly. uh, and then there, we get you? the same chance again. And for me, yeah. for me, but also, yeah, I would say today it was better, but it wasn't brilliant. We coughed no, up it wasn't, and that's very, one, one of the points I wanted to say. Yeah, Fleetwood yeah. had Fleetwood, Fleetwood hit the post twice. And they should have scored at least more. They should have scored more than one. They'll well, Charlie Adams will, will read, watch that game back, and believe won't believe that they didn't score at least two goals in that game. Um, and after yes, we scored the third, and we kind of dropped away. We didn't really create much after that. We didn't really create a lot of chances. And when we did get into the final third, we weren't all that. And and to be honest, like Shomawale, at wing back has looked very nervous. He's looked like a rookie. Like too many times today, he used his arms and his hands. And he gives fouls away constantly in League One. You can't get away with that in League One. Um, and he, I thought he was, he did look a danger and a threat and he was positive in the final third. Um, I think for me, I need to see a few more performances before I, you know, get on the, the Shabarala train. Um, but I thought it was good to see. And he, he did add some a different element to attacking play, which is great to see. But you're right, Mike, we can't go from Burton Albion. You know, if we'd, if we'd lost today, we would have been full. Well, we are. I've said it on a number of occasions. A lot of sensible shooter fans have said it. We need to change our head coach. Hmm. But we all know that the problems we have with our club is, you know, well, what happens to the assistant manager? What happens with the director of football? What's going on with the chairman and the state of the club? So there's, yeah, it's a lot to unpick. And I don't think, you know, getting rid of the head coach is going to change. But I do think having a more, more proactive and attacking approach in more games would probably wield better results. And then that's the bit. And that's why Burton was so key, wasn't it? Because it was utterly dreadful. That's what made it really yeah. toxic, Chris. None of us really know how much pressure Matt Taylor was actually under. We know what the fans no. think, but we don't know what's going on in that boardroom. What I thought was interesting today, I, you guys have been listening to Tom Flanagan as well on Radio Shropshire today. Did you hear him saying after the game, this really surprised me, actually. He said that if we lost today, the players in that dressing room knew what was likely to happen. Now, that's one mm. of our players you know, a senior pro in our team saying that they, he thought there was a very good chance that if we lost today, our head coach was going to get sacked. If I'm honest, much as there's been pressure from fans, I didn't think it was pro it was all that close. I couldn't see it happening. But Tom Flanagan's giving me the impression there that I'm wrong. And clearly the players thought I it think, was a, a very strong possibility. I think being at Burton <clears throat> might have, might give me and Ollie a little bit of a different opinion. I thought... It, you read the mood music, he's very much lost the fans and like that sort of hardcore travelling element that are there, the home and away diodes and things. It, it, and there was also a lot of dialogue between the fans and the players. You might have seen the videos. Yeah. Like, to be fair, like yeah. the players, that video that went viral in the Shooter Town world was 
you know, if you've been to Burt, it's like an L, isn't there? You've got the big bank of standard, then you've got a little bit of seats. So the players have kind of gone through, taken all the abuse from the guys in the terrace and the girls in the terrace, got to kind of the, the family bit of the seating area. And then they got, then there's that video. So the players are, you know, shown good professionalism and taken a lot of abuse. And there was a lot of anger um, from the performances. Mm. Um, so I, I would, think, I, I think they know. I think you're right. I think, I think if, I'm not saying Chris would necessarily change your opinion, but Burton was, um, was quite a cornerstone. And if it's, if Matt Taylor survives and hope he does, you know, don't want to really waste money on getting a new head coach and all that kind of shit. Hopefully he is successful and maybe, maybe even goes on to bigger things than us. And that means we've been successful. But if he turns would... around, we'll always talk about that Burton game, I think, Mike, as a, as a cornerstone. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching, much like you guys, been watching the channel a long time now. And uh, in my memory, once a manager starts getting a reaction like that, Roland Witchley's no mug because he knows sack the board comes next. And he's very good at moving on a manager before the before the sort of spotlight gets too bright on him as as a chairman. I think we've seen that a few times in the past. But also, I was thinking back today: when have we had managers that have had a sacked in the morning? You know, quite a quite a nasty, um, toxic response from. Pounds. How many times has a manager actually turned that round? I mean, you probably have better. I can't think of anyone. Kind of an open question. I yeah. Chris, can you I... think of anyone that's actually turned round losing the fans? Because I think it's fair to say Matt Taylor's lost a lot of the fans. Um, would you say has anyone ever turned it round? That's a good question. Talk amongst yourselves. I need to think about that for a minute. Yeah, the memory man's got to get in there because my memory is absolutely oh. terrible. So I can't think. I, I can't think of any any manager ever turning it around. Um, and surviving because at the moment it feels like people use the term, don't they? Papering over the cracks, mm-hmm. um, and I think that, 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 that and that's what today does feel a bit like. You know, you've got to, to enjoy an, the wins. Um, to an extent, in, I'll say I'll say one actually, and I'll one. say that is our very last one. Steve Cottrell, he was under a lot of pressure after that's his true. first six months to a year. There were a lot of calls for Cottrell to be sacked, and by the time he did actually leave, you know, eighty percent of our fan base saw him as some kind of messiah. So. You could argue that he had um, very much turned it around because he, he was I very under that pressure. Wrong. But that's the only one I can think of. Yeah. And and still the football was turned. It's really funny that people say, oh, let's get, let's get Steve Cotter. Steve Cotter's not coming back to this football club. But um, in terms of getting him back and people, yeah, people, are, you know, people, you know, memories are a funny thing. You always remember the good times, don't you? Uh, you don't necessarily yeah. remember the bad times. And I don't think getting, you know, bringing a Steve Cottrell style manager back isn't really going to help us go forward. Well, we, uh, for me, I think we've got a Steve Cottrell manager anyway. Well, we have at the I moment. Think, I think, I think for me, I, he does Cottrell, but worse than Cottrell did it. Well, that's, that's the thing. That's I was looking at the stats for end of year and in the 2023 year, he played three games less than Cottrell. Uh, Cottrell had three games less than Taylor, but his team had scored twice as many goals. So yes, there was a lot from set pieces, but as you know, as people said today, it doesn't matter if it's a set piece goal. It matters to me because you can't, can't, you can't, you can't survive on set piece goals alone, um, and set piece goals dry up. Um, and I'd much rather see goals more open play, but at the same time, he did score more goals. Well, we scored 52 last season, which is actually above average for a Shrewsbury yeah. team. So despite being pretty dull to watch, Cottrell did produce a team that scored an above average. We had runs of big wins, and that's what we haven't had under. Um, we've had some, we've had some, I, just, I, just, I can't believe what, we 13th were in the league, ta- the live league table near the end of the game. It's mad yeah, where we are. But if we'd lost, but look, it's so yeah. bunched. We're if seven we'd points lost, clear of the relegation zone yeah, still. Seven the actual gap has stayed the same today. Yeah, and if we'd lost, we'd have been 19th. 
Yeah, but what you've got to remember is we're that close to blowing somebody away. It still hasn't happened yet. We're <laughs> blow somebody away. It's coming, apparently. Yeah, the, would, would you year, not count Fleetwood today as blowing someone away? Maybe you can We were 3 0 up, weren't we, today? So it was that's as close yeah. as we're probably going to get to blowing someone Mate. away this season. So Fleetwood blew himself away today for me. For me, there was two big things that changed today. One was our approach. But I think also for me as well, I think um, our senior pros really stood up and performed today. Mm. Um, Morosi had a really good game. Dunkley had a really good game. Not saying they haven't been trying, but I think in terms of performance, you know, football manager, FIFA style ratings, um, as Tom Flanagan said, you know, there was a lot of sevens on the pitch today. Um, yeah. I think Perry Perry had a really good game. Um, I thought um, all the three central defenders had a good game as well. Um, but for me, I think it was really important that the um, the, the senior pros um, like had good performances today. I thought I thought in the absence of Dan Udo, and that's maybe we should mention Dan Udo out for six weeks. That's a bit of a blow, although he's not been brilliant this season. He is one of only three strikers we've got. I thought um, Bowman actually played pretty well today. He won his fair share of headers. He held the ball up. He popped it off. He was all he was full of energy. I'm not a massive Bowman fan, but I thought it was it was exactly the performance we needed from the only striker that seems to be available that he fancies at the moment. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I thought, again, another another senior pro, vice-captain, you know, he had a decent game. Yeah, I, I often quite critical of Bowman, but to be fair, he did run the, the line well. He won a lot of battles. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, it was a it was a better all-round team performance today, wasn't it? It's interesting sometimes. You get a bad injury like Udo that we've just touched on, and it, obviously that's a blow to us, but it forces... It forces a manager to change things. And that injury is probably part of the reason for the way we set up as we did today. I doubt if Udo had been fit that we'd have had a front three today with Shipley on one side and Sobawale on the other. I suspect it would have been something very different. So that injury has forced him to do something that little bit different. And, it, and today it's worked for us. So, you know, hopefully that's for once something going our way. It's a shame to lose Dan Udo. But, and you said, you're right, Bowman did do well today. I still can't help feeling by the time we face Wrexham on Sunday, there'll probably be at least one more striker in the building. It looks like we're trying to get Nathan Fraser off Wolves. If that deal comes off, and as long as he's had a two or three days training with us, I wouldn't be averse to throwing him straight in, frankly. That's, often you sign a new player for a big game like the Wrexham game, and you think, oh, it's not fair to leave somebody out for a newcomer. But, you know, too many of those players haven't done enough to deserve their place week in, week out at the minute. So I've no problem if we can bring in one or two quality players this week with chucking them straight in there. Well, you've got Roland Didoe as well, who's in the in the building in training. He'll be available for Wrexham as well, won't he? So, and he's more of an attacking player. I think he's more of a he's more of a ten, is he? I don't really know that much about yeah, him. Yeah, more of a another ten. option. Like Sopawali, though, isn't he? He's a player who's stepping up from a much lower level of football. He's he stepping is up different, from a league, though. which is kind of Conference North. Yeah, two he different been, things. He has so. been in England. He's been in the system. If I guess you're going to say that he's been at no, 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 I wasn't saying that. Is that that Shawala didn't really play for Waterford, but this, but this, but um, Roland did. Um, so he's played a lot more games um, for, for Waterford than than Shawala did, and also he's been given a three-year deal. Was it two and a half year Where's, deal? Two and a half year uh, deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big step is up, Nathan though, isn't Fraser, it? From... Sorry, I was going to say, has Nathan Fraser played much football? First team no. football, no. He's he's played no. no senior. If he played against Wrexham, that to my knowledge, that would be his. Well, he is. might have played in the you know the EFL Trophy, whatever it's called, the Bristol Motors Trophy for Wolves mm. under twenty threes. But I don't. He's not had a loan, so no, he's not played senior football anywhere. But by all accounts, you know, you, you look at him. He's a big physical lad. I don't think physically there's an issue. And by all accounts, he's a he's a proper goal scorer. So I don't know. You, you, we we clearly need something up front. So 
I guess like that the gambler in me wouldn't be against it. But at the same time, knowing the way most football managers operate, if we do sign him, I suspect he'd be on the bench. Yeah, no, I expect so as well. Cool. So yeah, that was the Fleetwood game. Um yeah, time will tell whether it was a, a corner or whether it was another another paper over the cracks. Um but let's see. But yeah, let's look ahead now to the Wrexham game. Now Shrewsbury are chasing the winning goal. Stoke City are collapsing here. And it's Doherty. Low for Lawrence. Extraordinary. So we're going to do something different on Salacast for a change. We're going to preview a game. Um, so we haven't done this. I think we've ever done this before, to be honest, in the eight years we've been doing a podcast. So we've got Tim on um, from Fearless and Devotion, a Wrexham podcast. Welcome on the podcast, Tim. Thank you very much for having me. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a full house. Um, but from a Wrexham perspective, what was your kind of thoughts when you saw the draw? Because you were still you still hadn't got through to the next round, had you? No, I remember sort of, I still get super excited by third round draw anyway. Do you know what I mean? We, we don't have to deal with fourth preliminary qualification rounds or any of that jazz now. So to start off in the first round was was a good thing. Um and that when it came out, because I think it came out quite early, what I remember if it was like the third or fourth one out or something. And I just sort of uh let out some sort of primal roar and that's the truth because one of my mates filmed it and i only just found out that she filmed it so yeah um i i was delighted and um yeah it's kind of like a full circle moment hopefully if if it goes our way but yeah you can't take anything for granted but if if you if you can't get a championship or a premier league side in 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 the third round then at least get something that's going to have some sort of substance to it you know, um, with the greatest respect to, I know, pull a name out of the air, us playing Sutton United doesn't really, it's a great opportunity to try and get to the fourth round, but doesn't quite have the same level of um, mystique and, and sort of status to it. So, so when it came out, it was just like amazing, uh, just brilliant. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Slightly different to my reaction. I get a pained whimper as well, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a very positive she's pretend fan at the moment. I thought, oh, it's just typical, isn't it? Yeah. But it'll be a fascinating game. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? I mean, there's been plenty of times where, you know, not, it doesn't seem that long ago we were losing to, like, Stamford. I never even knew a place existed called Stamford, but I do now, you know? So, um, so you have these moments where I think everybody has this sort of time in the sun and, and we're having hours at the moment, you know, in terms of, everything that's happening and obviously everybody is aware of what's happening because try as you might, unless you're living under a rock, it's kind of thrust in your face a little bit. And even we understand that and, and how it manifests itself in, in sort of the public consciousness and how it could really wind people up. I get that. It rubs a lot of people up the wrong way. So yeah, it's, I, you know, I don't, I, I, I have no, it kind of feels like a free hit for us. To be honest, it's like if we come out of it with a win, great. It's a bit of bragging rights, bloody, bloody, blah. However, if if we don't come out of it and, and we lose, then it's like, okay, well, we do have bigger fish to fry as it stands at the moment, you know. And then if all goes well, then that rivalry is is more permanently reviewed, uh, renewed next season. So kind of feels like a, a free hit in that respect. 
What does the rivalry mean to you, Tim, as a Wrexham fan? I'll be honest, as a Shrewsbury fan, I bloody hate Wrexham. You yeah, know, no, feelings for me. But it's good to hear that. I kind of I want you to hate us. No, I'm, I get annoyed I'm, 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 when some Wrexham fans say it's all about Chester, not interested no, in Shrewsbury. I, mean, I don't believe that. I don't want to be one of those people, but I, 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 I'm, I'm by no means a... Uh, uh, what's the word? Not a pessimist, but... Um, I think hate's a strong word. Some people absolutely will, will say, oh, I hate this. I mean, I don't I don't think I've really truly hated, maybe hated one of my exes, really, <laughs> but that's about it. I mean, from yeah, a... I use that word purely for football rivalry. I, yeah, think, I mean, just to be clear, yeah. I would never get involved. You know, if I met you in a pub, yeah. I'd have a beer with you and I'd no, have a hope and we, I could but, talk but to you. But I, it, I said it's about the football yeah. rivalry. I said to Ollie before, like when, when we came back from Walsall the other day, we bumped into a coach of Shrewsbury fans in, at Telford Services and we both clocked each other straight away and we're like, we both took the sharp intake of breath and we're like, should, shall we speak to each other? I suppose, I suppose we should. It was like, it was really odd. <laughs> it was like, how have you been for the past 15, 15 years? years. <laughs> you know, how are you doing? Um, so it was like this, Sort of slightly um, odd. It's like there being a divorce, and you and you sort of see your ex-wife back in the same room. It's like you kind of you 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 kind of trying to be civil, but you know there's like this undercurrent of not ill feeling. But I think, but Ollie said earlier on that rivalry can can mean different things to different people. And for me, it's not necessarily just about the regularity of which you play aside. For me, it's a geographical location aspect as well. People talk about Chester as a cross-border derby. You can apply the same thing to Shrewsbury, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's not a million miles away at all. Um, it's fairly easy to get to, vice versa. You know, so I know we we always had some really good games. We always had some really good games, and I I, I remember a lot of them vividly. I remember Joe Hart getting this loads of stick once. You know, um, I remember Joe, Leo Fortune West scoring an absolute belter against you. Yeah. And there's lots, and we can go back to Michael Proctor scoring the last goal at, at the Old Gay Meadow. Yeah. We can go Lee Jones years ago scoring late on, and we were all on the fences. And Gary Bennett, Gary Bennett, yeah, the bane of oh. many a team's um, lives. Oh. Back then. And just even even to, you know players like Luke Rogers, Rogers with a D, DG, um, things like that. I remember she's replaying Everton in the Cup Donkeys years ago, and like, and I remember it because I was like, I hope Everton kill him. You know, you just it's daft, mm. but it's there. And it, I imagine there'll be similar elements last season when we played Coventry and Sheffield United, thinking, oh, Sheffield United pump them, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's always been there for whatever reason. I think at that time, it was just a case of we just played each other a lot. And it was one of the yeah. first fixtures you would look for when, when they were released. Yeah. And like when I started watching the town, it was the big, a big rival. It's been the biggest rival I've had since you know you know in the last whatever it's 30 40 years i'm watching the town but being a, a shrewsbury fan and not particularly liking wrexham i've avoided the documentary i you know i avoid pretty much everything that comes out about them but a question i've got coming into the into the picture is what kind of football team are you i i block you completely out of my life so i couldn't tell you whether you're direct or a passing side or whatever so it'd be interesting from you to understand what the approach will be what kind of team we're going to see on the day because I imagine there's many other town fans who take the same approach as I do, probably. But it'd be interesting to get what, what you think the, the match will be yeah. like from a Wrexham point of view. I mean, you know, from, from a home point of view, we're relentless from a home advantage. I mean, we, we look, I think Parky's gone 
I think he's on 142 games now. His win record is just insane. I think we've lost, I think it's something like, we've lost four games in 2023, the full 12 months, lost, lost four games across that entire thing. And I think we've only lost six or seven games home in two and a half years, maybe less than that. I think it's less than that, but um, we're astounding at home. It's madness. Um, away, we're slightly different. We're a bit more conservative. Um, it's weird because we played Swindon off the park on Boxing Day and only had like the one goal to show for it. Um, and then we were rubbish at Walsall, like on Friday. We were just rubbish, you know, just it was a bit, I don't know what it was. It was a bit, a bit, just a bit more punting the ball and not really trying to pass the side to death because we've got players who are good footballers, you know, cultured footballers. Problem we've got is that we don't really have a lot of lot of pace you know i think there's some there's there's just a lack of pace where if, if we get that pace in there then it's not it, you know it's it's a good well-rounded team and we've got a very very strong squad something that we lacked in the first season under the ownership where we lost that to grimsby stockport's depth got them over the line at the end of the day and we learned from those mistakes and we recruited wisely that the squad depth is is insane. It still is now, but we'll probably get four or five players in. I would hope in the next month. Um, but yeah, for the most part, you you will get a. We can we we can mix it up a bit. There's always this criticism, Parky, that doesn't necessarily has a plan B. But you don't necessarily need a plan B. If plan A works nine times out of ten. So, yeah. um, and that's that maybe a very sort of slight criticism that people aim at him, um, but. I think again, we've never lost back to we've never lost successive games in the parky. We just don't do. <laughs> we would like that. <laughs> we lost four in a row, and before we lost, like, like, yeah, I mean, obviously, Notts County is this weird thing that's happened between us and them in recent years, and we're not kind of had a stinking run of, of, of late. They got turned over against the tram here, and um, if that had happened to Wrexham, if we'd had the same sort of run that they'd had, it would be a meltdown over it. It's crazy because. We've been so spoiled in the last couple of years. It's unbelievable. I like yeah. these. These these are kind of the the days and the records and the numbers that we're getting. You, I just don't, I genuinely we can go we can try and go to the divisions, but it's never going to be what we're doing in terms of just the records that are tumbling time and time again. Record goal scores, record points, uh, just unbelievable record after record after record. I could go on and on and on, but in terms of I sort of laboured the point a bit here, but in terms of what you're going to get, it's a difficult one because, like I said, Walsall was awful. Um, Swindon were really good, just to give you a snapshot of the kind of the festive period. Yeah. Today, the first 40, 40 minutes, we were dreadful. They get a player injured. We have 14 minutes, first time, first half stoppage time. We score three goals in that added time. It was mm-hmm. just bad. If you'd have told me at 40 minutes we would go in 3-1 up, I would have said you were mental because it <laughs> did not look like happening all and then a second half completely different side just brilliant second half so don't often get a full 90 minute performance in direction which is the big criticism i suppose is that um, probably because you score so many goals though maybe but we, we scored many goals at home our away scoring record is so bad. which is good for us so that's good actually good news for sure um, and we're yeah. awful away from home but at home we're not terrible bad. And my only my only th- my only thing is may- maybe similar to last year in the FA Cup at Coventry and stuff. Maybe we can have a bit more freedom 
two because there's no points at stake. I mean, there's bragging rights yeah. in Florida State. And, and the good thing about this squad is that it's rammed home to them how much it means to the club and the fan base because you know, sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll get a game and it's not really driven home to the players what it means. Like the Newport game, it came out that all, all the players were sat there and briefed what it meant and how they beat us in the playoff final and how they, how they dicked us in the FA Cup, blah, blah, blah. And there's the Welsh aspect. So that will probably be reinforced again, as I'm sure it will be with your guys. It'll be the same for us. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's just um, out of all the crap we've had over the years, it's like it's it's just the privilege to to see this team because it would have been so much easier to go. There's your money, throw loads at it, but it doesn't always work that way. You know, there's a lot yeah, of teams. Salford, yeah, and and, and you know, as as much as it. it you know, I can understand it from from an opposing fan's view that it, it is sticks in your throat that that these owners are annoyingly nice and they're doing it in the right manner in the proper manner. Um, you know, you, you it doesn't guarantee success all the time. You can put building blocks in place, but it doesn't guarantee it. And we saw that in the first scene under the ownership. But now with the squad depth he's got and the camaraderie in in that side, um, you know, weirdly. I've got this thing now where I, I'm not massively um, negative about us screwing it up this year because it's a different thing going for for one automatic place to three. A massive, massive thing. How good you talk about squad depth? And I did have a quite an intriguing tweet from a Wrexham fan this afternoon um, in response to that the the, the Tom Fanningham comments um, where he was a little bit cheeky about Wrexham. Um, and one of the Wrexham fan, and obviously it's impossible to, I'm not going to say all Wrexham fan this, I'm like, that's why I'm going to ask you the question. And it says, League 2 team, well, yes, but we have Premier League and Championship players in our squad, you donut. Um, I'm harsh to call me a donut, but isn't my comments. Um, but I, I, I find it, well, I don't, well, they're not Championship or Premier League players because they're in League 2. So, But do you have Premier League Championship players in your squad? Uh, we don't have well, we do have a Premier League player in our squad by virtue of his on loan from Arsenal. And so, you know, if you if you want to sort of split hairs about That's it fair. and be facetious, then then we do. But if we if we if we ever have any designs on keeping him beyond the season long loan when when he's out of contract, that'll be some coup if we manage to get him because he's really, really, really good. And what's his name? That's your keeper, isn't it? Yeah, Arthur Oconquo. He's a he's massive, six foot five, I think. Six foot four, six foot five. Um, he just makes things look very easy. Like some, like some, we've had a goalkeeper. We had Dean Henderson on loan. Yeah, and he God, was wow. unbelievable. Yeah, we had deep. We were that season. We had Ben Godfrey, Carlton Morris, and Dean Henderson on goal. Will to Paul Hurst. Like Dean, Dean Henderson's the best goalkeeper I've ever seen live for a Shrewsbury Town. It's unbelievable, better than even Joe Hart from what I remember. Wow, and it, it, yeah, that's that's a massive thing when you get somebody like that as young as he is. But you know his his, his grounding at Arsenal's been superb. But he, he got sent out on loan to Sturm Graz and he, he won the Aust- Austrian Cup against Rapid Vienna last season. You know, like bare pit atmosphere, fireworks going off, and he helps them win that. So. We've got we have got a Premier goalkeeper in that sense in terms of the wider picture. Have we got Premier Premier League players? No, we haven't. Uh, have we got a couple of Championship players? Arguably, yes. Elliot Lee should not be playing at this level, hundred percent. You know, he was playing for Luton in the Championship. He's played for Charlton in the Championship. He's just signed a, an extended deal 
to, to stay at the club until 2027, which is massive. Him and Mullins' contract extensions were announced last night. Um, is there an argument that Mullin could play in the Championship? Maybe, but now he's... I'm not so sure. Yeah, I, I think uh, Lee, I'll give you, definitely give you Lee, and the goalkeeper sounds like he's a fantastic prospect. Yeah. It was interesting because Mullins, Mullins was the start of it, because obviously Mullins was the start, really, wasn't it, For in terms of... yeah. Yeah, you guys competing for players because obviously Mullins scored what 32 goals for Cambridge and then he yeah. signed for you guys. And I yeah. assume League One wages. Um, because let's be honest, I think I think he would have gone to a championship club if a championship club would have come in. No disrespect to Wrexham because the money in the championship is well, like 10 grand plus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but interesting to hear that you've got and disappointed, frustrating to hear you've got this uh, mountain of a goalkeeper um, who struggled to score goals anyway. He's massive. Bizarrely, he was slightly shaky today, which is very, very uncharacteristic for him. But like I said, he I'm, pulled... I'm only hearing you say things like, we're rubbish away from home, the goalkeeper's shaky. I'm just taking these <laughs> things. <laughs> just write them yeah. down. Like, what well, this is the yeah, tip. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the wall in the bedroom now. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Lee's good. Um, really good. Um, Mullin, he is still probably too good for this division. Um, and oh, he's definitely think. a good, a very good league yeah, striker. He's, I think he probably won't be he's, he's, still been, he's still been slightly quiet by his standards. Stood, scored a brilliant free kick today. Um, but then you've got Stephen Fletcher. A he's rare a Shrewsbury lad, by the way. Yeah, yeah. we were hoping to sign him at some point. Yeah, um, so We're trying to sign another Shrewsbury lad, Jack Price, um, who's who, who's come back from MLS to, to England. Um, but yeah, so no, interesting. And who other players should we look out for in, in across the squad? So you mentioned Lee, you mentioned Mullen, goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, just in, in terms of experience, you mentioned James McLean as well because he just likes winding fans. Kind of a slow start in a game, but just eventually just eases himself into it and just the experience shines out into positional play and anticipation and stuff and doesn't necessarily have, to, have the speed anymore. But he's got the, the sort of tactical nous and expertise and he knows the dark arts, you know, which you need. Uh, Max Kluwerth is a very young defender. I think it was he 21 now, and I think he's he's already made 75 appearances for Wrexham, which is nuts. Um, he's managed to to sort of come into the side because we've been beset by sort of centre back injury. Woe after woe, honestly. Like I preferred sort of three at the back are all injured. Is Ben Toza still with you? Toza still with us, and and he's he's really probably argue in some of the, his more, most consistent form he's produced for us because at the start of the season he was shaky as hell but then he, he just lost his dad unexpectedly and that is going to have an impact you know um i think there's a few more of the things that hit him hard but that was the big thing and so parky took him out for a couple of weeks reintroduced him back in and he's not looked back really um we don't have a very quick um sort of there's the backs and the three centre backs and, and and the wing backs as well. The wing backs are quick, um, but Max got a lot of time for Max because you know he sort of wasn't that long ago. He was still like this waif that hadn't really bulked up in the gym. And I put something out on Twitter the other week, um, just putting gains. There's a picture of him from like 12, 18 months ago to now, and he's just like just stacked on a bit more muscle. Um, and he's just he's just earned his place, and he's really good again today. And Delighted for him. Um, yeah, I mean, th there's, there's several things I could I could say in terms of the squad. Obviously, you mentioned Ryan Barnett earlier. Yeah, I was asked about Ryan Barnett. So, because for us, he, when he, we, we spoke about this on, I went on the, their podcast earlier on today, um, and I was saying that he wasn't quite ready to play in League One football. That he went to Solihull Moors, but obviously, I, I noticed you guys play three at the back and wing back. So, 
And did you play three at the back in the National League? And, and where does yeah. Ryan Barnett play? Yeah, it's always been like a like a, a sort of three at the back, two wing backs, three midfielders. We've always gone for the sort of sort of five three two really. Um, Ryan Barnett was good when he came in. Um, one of his mates got in touch with me and said, "What you'll get from him is he will get the ball, he'll hit the byline, and he'll cross it." That's him in a nutshell. Doesn't try anything fancy. Doesn't try and dribble. Doesn't try and try and beat three players. He'll aim to beat his marker and deliver. Simple as that. Down, cross, L-shape, L-shape, L-shapes. So that's him. But that's what you want from a traditional out-and-out winger. You know, you want service to your strikers. Um, suffered an injury not, not too long ago, which kept him out for a while. So he's slowly just sort of creeping back into the sort of uh, periphery of the team, really. Um but I mean, the good thing though, you know, it's, it's what you want in a squad. You want you want two, at least two players in every position that are going to push one another. You know, not one necessarily being slightly better than the other. You want people on almost on a par, so they're pushing and pushing and pushing. And if you have a bad game or you're just not quite at it, you can bring somebody in to do that job as well. And we're lucky that you know we've built and built, and, and we're in a position where we've kind of got that. You know, if you take the injuries away from it, we've kind of got that. But Barnett's a good player. Really good player, um, you know. Made a sort of late run for player of the season last last year, but obviously came in late on. Really, but solid acquisition, really solid. And um, we've just got grafters, got grafters like George Evans came in from Millwall. Brilliant. He was suspended for the last couple of day, games for sending off. Came back in today, pretty much ran it, just ran it defensive mid. Um, so I probably chuck him back in there actually. You know, you don't make that many appearances for for Millwall in the Championship without being able to cut it. So I probably include him in in that list of Championship players. Um, not even a Championship player on the way down, like you can no. maybe argue McLean is. Um, Fletcher. Yeah, well, McLean would say it's a, probably a League One player. We, we obviously yeah. saw him play for Wigan. He wasn't that effective. Yeah, um, but it just I think it's fair to say, yeah, you've got a couple of Championship level players in your team, which is you know, and we've had that before. We had a couple of Championship level players when we got yeah. promoted from League Two the last time, um, and it does make yeah. a huge difference. I said I said a lack of pace before, but we we have got Jacob Mendy who is rapid, it's rapid, um, almost too quick for, his, for himself sometimes. Just like tears up his own hamstrings, but um, he didn't start today, but he came on. I think he will start on Sunday. Because I think we just need to have that injection. I think we need to be a classic case of everybody wants that early goal, don't they? Just to settle things yeah. down. Yes, Dave. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how good we are. I was, I was, I was joking that, like, in terms of predictions, I'll say mine. I, I predict a Shrewsbury Town win, but a Shrewsbury Town win in extra time because they are a bit of a specialty for Shrewsbury in recent years. Um, but yeah, um, I for me, I replays, Ollie. It's, you, no, it would be a replay what's the rules this year. Yeah, yeah, it would be a replay, wouldn't it, uh, Wrexham? And which would I don't want to go to Wrexham. Our waveform is so bad. And to go to uh, last time I went to Racecourse Grand, we won. I quite like keeping that record. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, well, are you got you got a ticket for the game, um, Tim? And, and what's your prediction? Yeah, I managed to. I had the spinning wheel of death for four minutes. I was having palpitations, like this can't be right. And then one suddenly reappeared. So yeah, I managed to get to get through it. I saw, I said. Earlier on, I said 3-1, but that was my heart really in my, my head. Um, you take a squeaky 1-0 win all day long, I think it will be tense. Um, but we just it's a classic case of, you know, as the saying goes, you kind of play the game, not the occasion. And 
when Newport came in the other week, they, I think they played the occasion and not the game. And that's what that's we just picked them off. Had a couple of moments of quality, mm. picked them off. And then the good thing about the team that we've got, because they've a lot of these have played at a higher level or whatever, and they've been used to those cup runs and stuff that they're not stupid enough to go don't get carried away into in, into what the occasions mean. It's just it's a game of football. It's eleven versus eleven. Keep strip it back, keep it simple, and believe in your own ability. If you are beaten by the better side on the day, then fair enough, isn't it? You hold your hands up, um, mm. you know, and there's there's no qualms about that. And I, I just hope for 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 everybody's sake that there's a decent referee in charge because I don't know what the referees are like in League One, but there's not a great difference between League Two and the National League. It's consistently bad. I'd say we had to, we have some all right ones. There are some all right ones in League One. Obviously, the the the, F, um, the FA Cup we could get a Championship level ref, so maybe we get lucky. Um, yeah, hope I, so. that they might, I was going to say my concern is is uh, picking up on a few things that you said earlier on. Is will our players be informed about how much this means? I don't know whether. I don't know. Well, Tom Flanagan said on Bishopshire that they know about it because there's Chris Skitt, who's a physio. Um, who's from yeah. Shrewsbury, and there's a few other members of staff, and apparently it's been drummed home that they really do know, and it's and he won't stop going on yeah. about it, apparently. So the players know how important it is, and I think also, Phil, you know, the beauty of social media today as well, I've seen loads of people tagging our captain, Shay Dunkley, how important this game is. Um, so I think the players will know, and I think it's quite interesting what you say as well, because in previous years, we used to often go in the FA Cup, and yeah, but we used to kept getting Warsaw away in the FA Cup. It's rubbish FA Cup tie because we don't really care about them. And you know, it's just another League One, League Two side, whatever. Um, but in recent years, we've done we we do do better against like you know, Wrexham are not a normal League Two team. You know, you're obviously a highly funded, very um high ability football team. Um but yeah, in terms of in terms of your what's going to actually happen on the pitch and how it's going to perform. I think it sounds like both teams have got quite mature players in the team because we've got quite a number of high, got a good number of senior pros as well. Yeah, I mean, somebody, somebody mentioned that the average age of the squad, but it's it's actually not that bad. But there is a good a good mix, a good blend of sort of youth and experience, which is ideally what you want, isn't it? And obviously, the yeah. youngish goalkeeper Max, who I mentioned before, um, and then beyond that, a couple of sort of mid twenties really. Um, so yeah, there's a there is a lot of ex- experience in there, but I think I think when you're in when you've been dossing around in, in the sort of basement divisions for 15 seasons, you want wily characters that know what it's what it takes to take the next level. And if you can add to that mix with a bit of pace and a bit of raw talent, and, and, and like Jordan Davis got like Jordan Davis a couple of years ago in the season where we slightly missed out to Grimsby, he knocked in like I think. 19 goals in midfield. He's brilliant for us. And ever since then, he had a couple of injuries, a few off-pitch things. So him and his wife, his wife had a, a mis- miscarriage and stuff. And that hit home and he came back in. But then we just went out and recruited better players. We went out and recruited Elliot Lee and, and, and James Jones came in, Anthony Ford, you know, players with, with pedigree, really. And he's just found himself... On, on the fringes, the same as Luke Young. Luke Young's our club captain. He can't get a game. He came on at Walsall and looked a fish out of water, to be perfectly honest, because the nature of the beast is you want to get better players in than what you've got, always, if you're going to try and progress. And that's what we've done. And ultimately, you're going to put a few noses out of joint. Luke Young is a very good squad player for us now, but he'd rather be a, a good 
player somewhere else. And I think that's maybe what will happen in January. Yeah, no, cool. And um, predictions, Mike and Chris, what's your what's your gut instinct? What's your thoughts? Well, obviously, I know what you want to happen, but what do you think will happen? I can't predict anything but a Shrewsbury win for a Shrewsbury Wrexham game. I, it would be a betrayal of my very soul, Ollie. So I'm going <laughs> to say uh, it's going to be a competitive game. It'll be fiery. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Shrewsbury 2-1. Shrewsbury 2-1. Shea Dunkley, header from a corner in the 85th minute to win it. There you go. <laughs> Similar to what I said um, on, on their podcast. Mike? We're going to batter him, aren't we? 4-0. Easy. They're crap, aren't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe. And just to be fair, Maybe Mike. Mike is the most pessimistic, most pessimistic, um, yeah, Shrewsbury Town fan that possibly is. Um, so please, well, that comment yeah. is very tongue in cheek. I can't, I can't tell you what I really think, but yeah. But <laughs> you know, I just feel. So sometimes I feel like we, we, in recent years, we've had a bit of a hoodoo when we played them. You know, last time we were in the league together and stuff, we seem to have the whip hand. It's probably going to turn, but I like to think we're at home. We got the crowd behind us. Hopefully the team will be up for it. Yeah, let's get a win. Bugger it. You say we had the whip hand. That was only for the last couple of years when Wrexham went a bit, no offence to him, a bit rubbish. Let's be honest, oh. before you dropped out of the Football League, you were dreadful. Exactly. Yeah, we, we beat you four or five times in a row. But That's before fine. that... You had to go. We beat you in 1993. I'm a I'm a stato here. This is me being sad. And after that, we had to wait about another 15 years to beat you again. Well, I think it was 13 years to be precise. And I saw you beat us time and time again. And seeing I'd never I wasn't at that game in '93, so I'd never seen us beat Wrexham until I think it was 2005, 2006. 2004. And it was such a re- 2004. I was close. Yeah. When when we finally won that game, it was such a bloody relief because I I was just depressed and fed up with seeing Gary Bennett give me nightmares frankly so yeah it, it, it changed so, my yeah. world and i was almost sad to see you get relegated because it meant i almost. couldn't see us beat you again oh okay. I, 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 I couldn't even get past dean spink signing for us i was like mm, i'm not sure i like dean spink well, you did yeah. sign load of players didn't you because sam easton went sam to easton as well. as well yeah yeah but yeah it's a, that's yeah. the funny thing yeah. is it because we're all we're, none agents. of us are, they knew what they were doing they did well, yeah. none of us are 18 or 16 and if you are 18 or 16 listening to this, you're probably not really sure what's going on. So obviously, obviously Shrewsbury Wrexham have got a big rivalry. We obviously haven't played each other. From a Shrewsbury perspective, the last six games were us five wins in our favour. Um, only one, one victory for Wrexham. But I do quite like this. Our historic results are 21 wins for Shrewsbury, 21 wins for Wrexham and 11 draws. So you can't really get any better than that. So yeah, whoever whoever wins this game is yeah going to tip the scales in their favour mm. yeah. until next season. Because let's be honest, until, they are going to yeah, get promoted, and hopefully we're yeah. going to stay up so we can do it all over again. Well, if Rex, if Fleetwood get relegated, will be the longest serving team in League One. Sorry, uh, sorry, Fleetwood get relegated. Did I say Rex and then? Yeah, Fleetwood get relegated, and we'll be the longest team um, in League mm. One. So yeah, I think it's a high high probability we'll be playing you again at some point, Tim, if we don't. We had, we had we had that badge of dishonor for the National League with we the longest serving team in that division up until last season. It's just like grim. So so many teams. I think now. you should go. I think you should go back and break that record. I really do. No, <laughs> never, never. I I'll say it now. That it was I, worth I, it for you now, though, wasn't it? I'm imagining well, if you got converted after three or four years, you probably wouldn't have been interesting to Ryan Reynolds or Rob well, McElhenney yeah. a couple of years ago. And what's well, happening well, to you now probably wouldn't have happened. Even even as re- recent as. You know, 2000 and whatever it was, 2013, when Newport beat us 10 years ago. If they, if if we'd have won that playoff and we go up and we sustain, we tread water in League Two, they probably don't look at us. They probably go, 
to Hartley. There's rumours they looked at Shrewsbury, Hartley Pool. Yeah, and, a few. Wrexham, but obviously the story at Wrexham is just much better. Um, yeah, it's, 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 honestly, it's, it's it's so weird. Um, it's it's much less weird now, but I'm not going to lie, and, and uh, it's it's just surreal. It is surreal because like you know, we we've we've been lucky enough to to interview the owners, and you know they'll they'll, they'll they they engage with us on social media and stuff. It's like, oh yeah, Ryan's just just sent me a message. Who? <laughs> Like, like, just like casually dropping, like not. It's, it's gone to the, past the name dropping thing now, where it's just like, oh yeah, he's he's asked about this. Like when we interviewed them to Rob McElhenney said, could you cut this bit out? Because because I was like, it completely went over my head how many headlines it was going to generate from that pod because of all the things we asked him about. Who would you like to see? Or Taylor Swift we'd like to see play at the race course, and then, all these crazy headlines came from it. So yeah, it's just. It's it's a mad mad thing, but you know the wider aspect is 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 what it's done for the area as well, not just the football mm. club, but the area. Um, you know, a lot of places similar size time, well, city now is Rex and Shrewsbury stuff have had some crap times. You know, high streets are not what they used to be. So, you know, that to have twelve twelve and a half thousand again today is just I never thought I'd ever see these days at all. Is, yeah, because you tend any... to drop quite a lot, didn't they, when you're in the national league? Yeah, and that, that's you know, that's that's Arsenal as well, and that's you know yeah, I mean, uh, attendance attendance wankers are the worst football fans. Yeah, well, attendance wankers and and the decibel police always makes me laugh. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, but where where was your fan? Well, they've always been there. But yeah, if, we were the same when we went down to the conference. We had three thousand, four thousand, whatever. We had three thousand in League Two. Like, yeah. you're you're always going to have that. So you've got to start somewhere. And th- there's a lot of Wrexham fans that have watched from afar and just. I couldn't bring themselves to come back and do it because everybody wants to be associated with some sort of tangible success. The fact that we've got this weird Hollywood star, this bubble surrounding it has just added more mystery. So everybody who I knew used to go or stayed on the fence or had no interest are all now pulling in the same direction. And you have to, you have to sort of swallow your tongue and, you know, look beyond that and go, right, just welcome him in because this is, yeah. This is legacy secure in what they're doing now. From in terms of like kids wearing Wrexham shirts instead of Man United Liverpool shirts, because that was always the case around here. You know, it's an hour to Liverpool. Well, it's the same at Shrewsbury. The kids wearing Barcelona and Real Madrid shirts going to the meadow. Um, so yeah. Speaking about your owners, there's probably a certain section of town fans who listen to this who want to know: Is there any rumours from your side about them attending? Because I would love to see Ryan Reynolds meet Roland Witchley. That would be something I'd pay for. Yeah. I, I, w- I would not. I would not be surprised. At all. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if, if they can tip up, put their first Rex and Magic Maidenhead on a Tuesday night, then anything. Yeah. You know, so they kind of don't. I mean, make... they've got to find Shrewsbury. To be fair, nobody knows where Shrewsbury is. <laughs> they've got to find it first. Well, yeah, it would be it would be very interesting if it did. And I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not sh- I imagine it might if anybody's going to do it, it'd probably be Rob at the moment because I think I think uh, Ryan's probably doing his Deadpool filming. But I think that's but a lot of that's been shot in London, so there's every conceivable reason he could pop up for it. Um, it's it's just about who who they bring with them. That's the mad thing now. It's like. Mm. They're just used to tipping up, and he, he goes to the, he literally they will turn up and go. Oh, well, it's going to pop to the pub and have a pint with people, and like that's what they do. I, I thought there's no way they're going to do that when they initially said we're going to we're going to ingratiate ourselves into the community. We're going to pop in here and pop in there. It's like how are they going to do it? But they just do, which is mm-hmm. nuts. And then we've had like Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd, and it's just like 
part of me thinks at what point from the outside looking in, you can see it's it's a complete circus. It's really annoying because like when we're in Sky Sports News and BBC were doing like like national everyone's phone got a notification that like Wrexham were playing a pre-season friendly and you're like like come on like that's a little bit far now. yeah yeah and and I, I I see I see it from that side of the coin and it must be frustrating for you as well because it's like your football team's been like taken um yeah obviously you've bit. obviously no like it's a tiny point like not a big one yeah no I mean but from you know I used, I used to sort of be a journalist so I understand why they do it for the clickbait it gets the traffic ultimately you know, yeah yeah nothing further down like that is, is gonna is gonna get them the hits and and, and the revenue but you know, I, I said this years ago you can't if you're gonna grow something um you can't have a football club as your own little exclusive club of union mates and just because union mates have gone the last four years doesn't get you top red status you know like just because you went to raise athletic on a Saturday night doesn't mean you should be getting shoesery tickets. I understand the grievance and I understand that there's this thing of, oh, well, these new fans and we're giving so many internet ring fencing, so many international tickets. Um, but that's part of the growth and that, you know, if it's part of the success, isn't it? Well, yeah. And, and, and ultimately it's, it's going to boost the local economy. Like as and when they build the proper cop, as opposed to this temporary stand that we got at the moment, there's been a lot of debate, like you know, if if Wrexham had a, let's just say Wrexham had a forty-five thousand seat seat stadium now, how many would it be filled by? And the argument has probably been, maybe you probably get twenty at the moment, which is just mind-boggling from like two and a half, three years ago when we nearly went down to the National League North in front of no fans during COVID. So it's been a lot of change in a short space of time. Um, but you kind of have to embrace it because if it was any other club, you'd be like, I hate what's happening there. But by the same time, I can understand why I hate what's happening there because I want that to happen at my club. I wouldn't want it. I'm going to take that tangent and end here. That's the dream for Jersey fans because there's lots of rumours been going on for quite a while that our chairman is trying to sell the club. So for my little dream is that we get our own sugar daddies and we end up buying signing championship players and then we can have a proper rivalry. The thing is, right, we haven't spent a lot of money. People think that... that you spend quite a bit of money on wages. Wages, wages, wages is a thing, bigger but, thing in football. But, but, you know, it's... We've done it sensibly. That's the most annoying well, yeah. thing. It's self-sufficient. Like, yeah, exactly, yeah. The revenue that's been generated... We've, I would guess how many um, replica shirts we sold this season. I wouldn't like to know. Like 20,000, 10,000, something stupid. 55,000. Oh. Sorry, how many? 55,000. 55,000, yeah. It's just insane. 55,000 at what? 50 quid a pop alone on re it's just nuts you know so and that's why it's so clever what they're doing because you do they do the community stuff um they're doing all these things I, i've started watching actually started watching the documentary this week i got quite a few into it and the biggest thing that shocked me yeah my, i did say in like what's that group we're gonna mike, watch mike's it. gonna join you soon yeah mike, no, somebody mike, mike. kick him off this call get rid yeah. of him but the thing do you know the thing that shocked me the most Things like shrewsbury has progressed quite nicely you've got a good decent stage in now training ground but the state of your ground that was the thing that shocked me the most. Um, well, in terms of his current guys, yes, current guys. Yeah, when they in the first season they came in, like the moss, the broken yeah, down I mean, stadiums, and it's like anything, you know. When when we haven't really got a pot to piss in, and it, and it's run by a supporters trust, the supporters trust served its purpose for ten. Yeah, they got years. a lot of stick. I didn't really get that. Like you can only no, pay, I mean, you can only pay what yeah, you got. I mean, it it saved it. It did save it. And you know, if if not the sports trust, then who else? Because I mean, we've had so many people try to run it in the ground, 
countless people come in saying we're going to build a B and Q, we're going to move you somewhere else, blah blah blah. Um, so yeah, it's it's just um, there's been a lot of improvements there now. Obviously, you know, they, it needed to be improved because they were ultimately that they want to bring international football back to the race course on a more regular basis. You know, we've had. Do you think the whole ground will get re- redone at some point? And I, th- I think that they, they've looked at it because. They will only they would only re- relocate if they absolutely have to because part of their mission is that a problem, isn't it? <laughs> um, not, <laughs> Watching the documentary, thinking yeah. how do you build a massive stand there? No, no, no. But the footprint of the ground is quite substantial, and you okay. can you can apart from the mold road sort of stand which is next to the turf where you can't build out because of the road. There's two other stands that that you could technically build out and build up. Um, but the, and I imagine that that those conversations have been had at some point forward planning. So, but let's get this proper cop built first. And there's been a few um, issues which have held that up. Hence, why they've built this, knocked this temporary stand up in like two weeks, and it's like an extra two and a half thousand people. So, yeah, the the, the ground has seen wholesale improvements, which is exactly what you need because ultimately you want to give fans, new and old, a good all round experience. You know, they still haven't nailed the, the catering at half time. You're still missing 10 minutes of the first half and the 10 minutes of the second half if you're queuing for a pint or whatever. But, you know, baby steps, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think we're not going to see the ground, Ollie, because we're going to knock them out before that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the big fear we had is we're going to go down to the two and you're going to go up. Um, that was the big fear. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed we should be right. Finish we'll on a positive. You can't say that, Ollie. <laughs> I know, I know. I tried to finish with positive and then we, we carried on chatting. But yeah, really, really appreciate you coming on the, uh, the podcast, Tim. It's been a great preview. We've never done a preview before in eight years. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, um, I hope you don't enjoy Sunday. Um, I hope you go. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, thanks for coming on. And yeah, I think it's been good that yeah, we've done these pods in, in, in the right spirit. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it. enjoy and you know, let, let I just like I said before, let the best team win. I just hope it's not decided by contentious handball or mm. you know, a, a stupid sending off. I just want it to be just on the money, firebrand, horrible derby kind of occasion. That's I'll remind you of that if you did go and win it with a controversial last minute <laughs> handball goal. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Edwards says that's not right, we should play it again. Um, uh, it, it, it'll just be left on red. I, I, I won't reply to it. I'll just read it and go, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Careful what you wish for, I suppose. Brilliant. And um, cheers, guys. And thanks so much for listening. And yeah, we'll be back again in a few weeks or so. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>